What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets, and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler and visit rg-help.com. Welcome to the wild card edition of the Ringer Gambling Show. Warren Sharp joined as always by Joe House. And this is the most glorious time of year in general. It's the playoffs. And it's the playoffs house after a successful and highly profitable regular season, which makes it a great time to be sitting here talking NFL wild card round with you because we're all in good spirits. We've all made money. Hopefully everybody at home has been listening in to the, some of the bets and the ideas that we've given you over the course of these 18 weeks. And you've made money as well. And I think we're going to make some more uh, soon, very soon, House. I think we got some good things this weekend. And I think overall through the Super Bowl, we're going to be able to make some people money too. So it's a great feeling. But first of all, how are you feeling? We met yesterday over at the National Harbor, had some drinks. Not too many. You were very responsible, but it was a great night. Loved meeting you for the first time. Uh, more more spectacular in person, uh, even than on the podcast, I must say. Uh, so it was very nice to meet you and uh, had a blast. The flattery is unnecessary. I will say, Sharpie, from my perspective, um, that you, ha- you, you had a certain glow. I think it was all the glow from cashing all those futures from the preseason. Uh, and I know you had your, your your TV bit to do, so I'm not going to say that it was the makeup, but everybody no was makeup. in good spirits. No makeup. Look at that. He, he goes, uh, al natural. I love we have, it. We have, a- we have no makeup artist there. Uh, it's just a videographer, <laughs> just sets up the things, and I, I, I record. So what you see is what you get when it comes to me. Well, then it's a natural glow, and I was uh, very happy to meet you and some of the inner circle this was the the really the only opportunity I had, the first opportunity I had to confirm um, that you have legs and that you're, uh, <laughs> you're 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 taller than I thought. But it was it was a really great uh, meetup, and we got to compare some notes on some of these games. So it was it was exciting uh, to jump in. I, I being in Maryland, uh, the good people at, at FanDuel, uh, you know, I fired up the FanDuel machine and, and fired away on a couple of the things we talked about last night. But let's go ahead and share it with with all the betting buddies out there. Yeah, so um, I think what we do is we roll through it. We obviously are going to be hitting all of your 
favorite bets that you're going to be sharing. We're going to run through those at the end and uh, and pick the best one or two. Maybe there's a couple this week, House. I don't know. Maybe there's a few things that, that jump out to you. And of course, we're going to make you famous. That's our first promise. You can share it with the wife, the kids, the, 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 the girlfriend, whoever you want to. Uh, you could also share it with um, you know your parents and anybody else that works with you. Secondly, you might get something nice in the mail. We're not going to promise. But what we will promise is now that I've got a Sharp Football merch store at sharpfootballmerch.com, I'm going to be definitely sending you something. I'm going to be reaching out to you. Whoever gets selected, you're going to get a free shirt from the store. So boom. How about that? That's a promise. Uh, but let's dig into this house. I guess we go in game order. Uh, yeah, let's you go in, in game order. Schedule. I want to vouch for the quality of the gift that folks are going to receive, though. I'm wearing right now. My 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 first hoodie from the Sharp merch store. Hunting is quiet quitting. Hopefully, we get some video up of this thing. It's it's luxurious, and and I it puts me in the proper frame of mind to collect some winners today. Warren Sharp. We what we need is we need Kyle Shanahan not to be punting, not to be get you know you know all these leads that Shanny builds, and then he ends up getting a little bit tight. This finger gets a little tight at some point, and he punts the ball on fourth and two, fourth and three, uh, takes a delay of game penalty at fourth and two, pushes it back to fourth and seven, punts it back, and potentially gives up a lead. Can't be doing that against the Seattle Seahawks here in this first game. So right now, the spread is Seattle is catching nine and a half points. Total now sits at 42. Give me your take on this game. While you're doing that, I'm going to look up the most recent weather forecast because this is the only game that actually does have some weather issues. Yeah, so that's the thing that really um, flavors my forecast for this one. Speaking of forecast, my handicapping of it. So all of San Francisco's credentials kind of go without saying. We've been watching it for 10 straight weeks. They're they're first in the NFL uh, on offense and in defense uh, from an EPA perspective. And we watched them throttle Seattle twice this season. Uh, Seattle scored one touchdown in the two games that they played against each other. Um, having said that, this is one of those division matchups. Pete Carroll, Kyle Shanahan, these guys know each other. They've been around the block a couple times. I don't feel like I want to lay the nine and a half. I'm more comfortable teasing this one down. And there are other candidates on the slate this week. The way that I'm most comfortable playing this game is in a seven-point tease kind of situation, so I can get through uh, the three with the extra point there. So take the nine and a half down to two and a half. Um, the total is something that I moved on um, early enough to get it at 42 and a half. I know it's down to 42 because of the weather. This is uh, uh, the kind of game where I, I could see like a, you know, uh, 28 to 30, let's say 31 to 10, something like that. The under hits, the game's never really in doubt. It's pouring rain. Uh, Shanahan protects Purdy by rushing the ball a ton. McCaffrey rushing props, Elijah Mitchell rushing props. I'm looking at all that. That's the easiest way to let, um, the, the, you know, Brock Purdy in his very first playoff start, get his legs under him in this thing. Seattle, Jordan Brooks uh, injury. It took their already putrid um, yards per carry average from like, you know, the high fours into the low fives. So uh, that that's the way that I imagine this thing playing out. But I just don't want to lay all those points in a division matchup um, between Pete Carroll and Kyle Shanahan. That's all. Yeah, and that makes sense. Now, I will say that favorites in this round of 
point margins like this tend to do really well. Um, they mm -hmm. tend to cover these spreads. What ends up happening, I think part of the reason why this occurs is because a lot of these teams that make the playoffs, and especially with an extra team in there as the seventh seed, they're limping in. They're beat up. They're battered. They're limping in. They're thankful that they made the playoffs. You know, they think that they're playing with house money. We're so happy to be here. Geno Smith's hitting this contract incentive. You know, you got, you got other guys that are just, you know, you make the playoffs, you get a contract incentive. You make, you, you complete your certain number of passing touchdowns. You get a contract incentive. So a lot of guys like they get, they cross that finish line. Oh, wow. We also made the playoffs. This is great. Meanwhile, you got a team like the 49ers who for weeks have been like, we are fighting for a one seed potentially. Well, we're, we're not the one seed, but we are fighting to win this game and to host next week. And like they're already expecting this and they're already strong and they're built well and they've, they're very healthy. Health is very important this time of year. It's definitely going to be something that we're handicapping as we move along from a weather perspective. It is going to be, I mean, Southern California has seen a shitload of, of rain. I've yeah. been told like it's, it's, some of the people don't remember the last time that they've had weather like this. Now, the question for us is not, you know, oh, well, the ground's so saturated, there's been rain for days. We, we know that. Is there going to be rain during the game? How heavy is the rain going to be? And is there going to be wind? So to answer those three questions, yes, there's definitely going to be rain during the game. It's supposed to rain all day tomorrow. I don't know the answer yet, though, to how much rain, how heavy that rain is going to be. What I do know is it currently looks like it's going to be an absolute deluge of rain until around like 10 a.m. And then from 10 a.m. until like 3 p.m., it looks like it might lighten up a little bit, but still rain. And then it's going to yeah. be a little bit heavier again later on. It's like a, a little wave and pockets and ebbs and flows. But you might see the ebb occur when, you know, right before the game, and then it's going to flow during the game. I don't know exactly how it's going to break down. The wind's not going to be too bad. We're talking like four to seven miles per hour is what I am seeing here. But the gusts will be close to 20 miles an hour. And earlier in the morning, it's up to like 35, 40 miles per hour in terms of gusts. So weather forecast to be determined, just expect some rain, expect not perfect conditions, unsure of how much rain, unsure of how much gusts, but uh, it's about 24, it's about like 28 hours out. So we'll see where it goes. From a handicapping perspective, the reason why I think weather is so important to this game house is because the 49ers are great defending the run. The 49ers are also great defending short passes. Where the 49ers defense struggles and it's shown itself in some of these games down the stretch here, it showed itself when your commanders, your C-words, went there to San Francisco and were able to throw the ball a little bit, except for Scott Turner ran it way too much on early downs. But when they threw the ball, they had a little bit of success. We saw the Raiders throw the ball and have some success against these guys. When you were throwing the ball a little bit deeper down the field, 15 plus yards down the field, this 49ers defense actually ranks 31st in the NFL in efficiency. They are bad. Their corners are bad. You can exploit some of these guys down the field in coverage. The problem is this. When you factor in weather conditions, I don't think the Seahawks are going to be throwing the ball down the field very much. In addition, look at the splits. Anytime they go on the road, they tend not to throw the football down the field very much. Then you look at just Geno Smith in general, and he does not throw the football down the field very much. In fact, his overall average ranking in terms of 
How many passes does he throw 10 plus yards down the field? It's 24th lowest rate, sorry, 24th highest rate in the NFL, ninth lowest rate over the course of the entire season. 20 plus yards, they're at the 26th highest rate over the course of the entire season. And like I said, they do it less often on the road. Um, they throw one to nine air yards at the fourth highest rate. So they're throwing short a ton. That's the 49ers strength. Throwing deep very infrequently, that's the 49ers weakness. And then factor in what they do in the games against the 49ers. When Geno Smith has played the 49ers, which he did twice already, he averages just 4.6 air yards per throw compared to eight air yards per attempt versus everyone else this season. Only 2.7% of his throws go 20 plus yards compared to over 10% when he plays anybody else this season. So against this team, he doesn't throw deep. And then the last like I don't know if it's icing on the cake or now we're to like all the different cake decorations and accoutrements that's going on top of this thing because we're just layering this thing up. You look at the fact that the quotes that they said in the media house, they said, we want to try to avoid more third and longs. They were in a lot of third and longs against the 49ers last time. It was hard to convert on third and long. So we're trying to set ourselves up into third and manageable situations. We want to run the football a little bit more. Well, guess what? That might sound great against a different team, but against the 49ers, running the football more, telling them ahead of time we're going to run the football more against the number one run defense in the NFL, probably not going to help you out a ton. And now you're going to be set up for maybe you're going to be in a little bit less of a third and long. Maybe it'll be a, a third and six or five instead of a third and seven or eight. But you're going to be in more third and longs if you're passing the ball less on early downs. That is a definite fact. So. You know, you're going to be in more third down situations in general if you pass less on early downs. And I don't know how that's going to play out for them. So I do think it's going to be tough. I agree with you, though. Not laying the points with the 49ers here. Actually, this is a time we rarely whip this thing out. You whip out the seven-point teaser. You know, okay. that would be that would be the opportunity of the week to whip out a seven-point teaser if you want. Because the one rule, the one rule if you're teasing. You always want to try to use a six. You always want to try to use a six. But on any tees, you got to get through the seven and the three. Like you mm -hmm. don't want to be, I, I get it. Like if you think, let's pretend you love the Baltimore Ravens here and you want to just, you think they're going to cover this spread, but you want to get more money on it. So you're teasing a nine and a half point team all the way up higher. Okay. You're not going through any of the key numbers. Like I, I get it. Sometimes those are going to hit if you're on the right side to begin with in general. But the way that you actually get your value out of what a teaser is intended to do is by going through that three and the seven. And so there's no point in trying to tease a nine and a half point team down if you're not going through the three as well. So you pay the money, you pay the man a little bit of extra money to get that seven pointer as opposed to a six or six and a half, and you get through the three down to two and a half. Yeah, and that that that's what we're doing. I want to hit on a couple of things that you mentioned. I do wonder with the announcement in advance by the Seahawks that they intend to to run the ball, if that might be a little bit of Pete Carroll rope a dope. I mean, he's been around the playoff block, you know, once or twice, and he's not the kind of guy that 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 you know wants to come out and 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 tip his hand. And I do love the the rich history of this NFC North. Uh, matchup I, I I also uh wanted to just note in terms of you know the, the the big number here San Francisco um this season the last five home games they've won by at least 13 points and they've done that a lot of different ways I mean it's it's been a combination of 
um, offense, defense, and special teams all contributing together, which is why you know their Super Bowl odds are what they are. I want to bounce off of you. So we're both in agreement on the seven-point tease concept. I, I concocted a little same-game parlay here, um, and it, 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 it's, a, it's correlated. It's McCaffrey rushing yards over 74 and a half. Now, that's risky, and I just want to put it out there to everybody. When, when Elijah Mitchell is healthy and Elijah Mitchell and McCaffrey are sharing carries, um, McCaffrey doesn't tend to, to get up to this, this kind of a number. But because I think that Shanahan is concocting a game plan where both those guys are going to eat and you couple that with how many yards on the ground Seattle's been giving up, you know, with especially with the Jordan Brooks injury, you only need 15 or 16 carries if, if McCaffrey's going to get, you know, around five yards of carry to jump over this prop. So uh, I'm putting that together with Purdy under two, 214 and a half passing yards because I just don't think it's it's necessary and the weather um, certainly is not going to accommodate it. And then we just put in there that San Francisco is going to win the game. Those three legs together uh, get you to almost three to one. It's a plus 295 same game parlay. You agree with the notion of correlating a rushing uh, yard total with a uh, Purdy under? So I definitely agree, House, with correlating rushing yards to teams that are going to win. The only issue that I have with this prop potentially i'm not saying it's a bad one but potentially is that looking back at the games there was three of them weeks 10 11 12 when both eli mitchell and christian mccaffrey were up and healthy the 49ers won all of those games if you look at the first half of those games mccaffrey had 19 rushing attempts and eli mitchell had 11 so mccaffrey was clearly the guy in the in the first half of the games then they start building their lead And in the third quarter, Eli Mitchell had 12 rushing attempts to McCaffrey's five. And in the fourth quarter, Eli Mitchell had 11 rushing attempts to McCaffrey's eight. So I don't know if one of those games, maybe Eli got hurt at the end there. And so that's why McCaffrey was running a little bit more in the fourth quarter. But the bottom line here is that they definitely phase out McCaffrey and want to make sure that he's healthier for the future because he's the pass catching back. He's the guy that's making all the damage and and he's really helping move the needle. His presence helps open up George Kittle a ton. And so for those reasons, I do wonder how much in the second half you might lean on McCaffrey in the rain with um, potentially a lead here. Uh, But that's the only concern that I have for such a high number of for McCaffrey on his rushing well, that's, yards. It's a great point. And the price for, for the McCaffrey under is the same. It's minus 114 on, on either side of it. So, you know, the, the under there um, on that leg is, is perfectly reasonable. And, and you know, we, we articulated the risk. Um, speaking of articulating the risk, Let's talk about this Chargers-Jacksonville game. And you and I had a chance in person yesterday. We used, we were, it was a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touched on mature subjects, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we certainly let the language fly. Um, I was on the East Coast Bias show earlier this week. I went on a couple of radio shows also. And in each instance, I just can't help uh, contain my disappointment, my resentment towards Brandon Staley because this Chargers-Jacksonville game should be an absolutely terrific opportunity for the just-getting-healthy Chargers to jump into these playoffs, to make a mark, to show 
the world that this Chargers team is the team that a lot of people thought going into this season, looking at at potential Charger futures to win the division, maybe, and maybe to to go on and win the AFC. Those were were rich targets. You know, we were talking over the summer about the Chargers. They really line up well. And we saw them over the course of the season. They play Kansas City as tough as any team in the entire league, maybe with the exception of, of Buffalo, I guess. And lo and behold, where you come into week 18, we sat here, you and I last week, talking about the incentive for the uh, uh, Chargers to sit and watch the television, watch the Cincinnati game, let that thing play out, and then be prepared to protect your assets. And, and, And by and large, everything played out the way it was supposed to, except for Brandon Staley doesn't want to protect his assets. He, he, this is twice now, two consecutive years. He might be awesome on the X's and the O's and his defensive approach and his look, man, uh, uh, punting is quiet quitting. The homie last year, uh, you know, went for it on fourth down at a, you know, in the, in the modern era of football, an unprecedented rate, lots of things to like about him. But when the playoffs are on the line, we have two consecutive years where the dude is committing unforced errors unnecessarily jeopardizing his team's fortunes. And the only thing that matters is the playoffs. So look, I've tempered my rant a little bit. I didn't use one F-bomb during the whole thing. But man, I'm disappointed. Mike Williams is hurt. Like, he might play, and the reports are going to be what they're going to be. The dude is hurt, and he didn't have to play on Sunday. He shouldn't be hurt. He should be healthy. And there's a big difference between this Chargers team when Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are both healthy and playing and they give Justin Herbert all the, the, that, that rich target option that he needs and, and one of those two guys being hurt. The splits are, are not favorable. So rant over. Um, I'm disappointed. I still kind of like the Chargers in this game. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I want to know why you like the Chargers. I'm not even going to, I, I just, just stamp it. The stamp of approval on that entire rant. I'm not going to waste any more time because we needed to get that rant out there, but I could just echo every single sentiment that you had. I'm not going to waste the listener's time. I will drop one F-bomb. It was fucked up to, to, to leave those starters in as long as they did. And especially because you could have played on a short week and now the NFL made you play on a short week and there was no reason at all to do that. But I want to know before I get into some thought process here on this game house, what are the one or two things that make you on the Chargers side the most? And what is your bet? Are you looking to lay the points, lay the small number? Are you looking to take the money line? How are you looking to play the Chargers here? Yeah, so I, I'm not going to play the Chargers. The only thing that I'm interested in is potentially like a, a player prop or, or two, but I'm not going to play this game because I refuse to be in the position of uh, needing a score out of Trevor Lawrence, who's secretly been not very good over the last month or so. And I also don't want to be in the position of having to rely on Brandon Staley making a good decision at the end of a game uh, and, and have money riding on, on that outcome. So this one, unfortunately for me, is a stay away, especially in the absence of uh, knowing exactly what kind of health situation Mike Williams is experiencing. I I do think he's hurt, but you know we don't know how hurt football guys are badasses. So, uh, but the the thing that that really um, has me on the Charger side is 
their defense. Their defense is healthy. I think that they're going to be able to have a pass rush against uh, Trevor Lawrence and, and and the Jags and the Chargers. Uh, um, you know, since week ten, have really developed an identity with a pass rush and with pass defense. Uh, the Jaguars. Um, you know, a lot of folks have been pointing out how poor their opposition, the quarterbacks that they've faced on the other side have been over the last six weeks or so. And that, you know, the winning streak that they've gone on has come at the expense of a bunch of terrible quarterbacks. That's that's all true. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I like the idea of this Chargers defense putting pressure on a brand new quarterback in a, in a playoff situation. I mean, really, this is his rookie season. Let's be honest. The, the season last year with Horny Urban Meyer what what was a waste, you know, he, he got paid professional paychecks for that. Um, but he really didn't, it didn't contribute to his development at all. Being under the tutelage and supervision of Doug Peterson, we've really seen, you know, has, has produced some, some rewards, but, uh, I'm, I can't bet on this game. Um, I'm just looking at, at props, but I do like the chargers defense, which is why I like the chargers side. Okay. So I've got a bunch of things that actually piggyback on some of what you said. Some contradict it. Some agree with it. So the concern that I have is you mentioned about the pressure and the, and the, and the pass rush of the chargers. Here's my concern for them. Over the last five weeks of the season, no team has blitzed more on early downs than the chargers, but they're recording pressure at a below average rate. And on early downs when blitz, but not pressured, Trevor Lawrence, these numbers are just insane. It might sound just, you cannot believe it, but he's completed 40 of 47 passes, 40 of 47, nine and a half yards per attempt, plus 0.55 EPA, success rate over 60%. He's been absolutely incredible. You look at, I tweet out a graphic, but some of the best coaches in the NFL are giving their young, inexperienced quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence, like Daniel Jones, uh, uh, like Brock Purdy, answers on what to do when you get blitzed. And a lot of times they're getting rid of the ball before the pressure actually gets there and they're having a ton of success. And so that's going to be an issue for this Chargers defense is because of their high blitz rate and Doug Peterson as Trevor Lawrence getting rid of the ball very quickly. I think that that's going to pose some problems for this Chargers defense. The other on early downs, specifically when the Jags pass the ball. And the Jags are also going to be able to run the ball on early downs because the Chargers have the NFL's stone worst run defense on early downs. They're allowing 5.5 yards per carry, which is the worst in the NFL. Every single metric, EPA per attempt, success rate, I won't name them all, in yards per carry, they rank dead last in the NFL uh, in run defense to opposing running backs. So I think the Jaguars are going to be able to run the ball. I think the Jaguars are going to be able to pass the ball on these early downs. That's going to avoid third downs. And when they do get put in third downs, they're going to be relatively manageable third downs because that's what the Chargers defense is allowing some of the better offenses that they played and they really haven't played a lot. You also mentioned something I want to hit on, which is Trevor Lawrence. And has he been playing well or has he not been of late? But the fact that he did not have a rookie season. And you're right. He didn't have a rookie season because he was was with Urban Meyer. He ranked 34th in EPA per attempt last year. I I can't reveal, reveal too much here. But what I will say is that Doug Peterson and that staff don't give a shit about how you're playing the first month of the season or the first six weeks of the season. What they want is a team that by early to mid-November is starting to crank on all cylinders and can run through November and December playing really well the way that they want them to play. It's his first year with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence over the first half of the year ranked 23rd in yards per attempt and like 13th, 14th in EPA and success rate. 
Since week nine, Trevor Lawrence ranks top 10 in all those metrics, including the number two best quarterback in EPA per attempt above Patrick Mahomes, who's number three. So Trevor Lawrence has been playing really well. What you said is Trevor Lawrence hasn't been playing that well. I see that with my eyes. I see the throw to like Zay Jones, where he just completely misses him. I've got some guys that I work with from a betting perspective that I interact with on a daily basis. And some of them just are scared to bet on Trevor Lawrence because of what he did last year and because of like some key situations he tightens up and causes them problems and they just can't fully back Trevor Lawrence. What I could say is this, what should help him in this game is that they just played what is a de facto playoff game on the same day of the week at the same start time that they're going to play one week later, Saturday night at home in Jacksonville. I think that helps. I think last week's was a playoff game. This is round two of the playoffs for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Same venue. They're playing a team that has less rest. I think that helps. I'll add last point here is that the Jaguars defense has gone up against trash. Josh Dobbs, Davis Mills, and Jeff Driscoll, that deadly combo. The the absolutely (laughs) lights out combo of Zach Wilson and Chris Strebler. Also Ryan Tanhill, also Dak Prescott and Jared Goff. Dak goes 23 of 30 for 340 yards and three touchdowns. Goff yeah. goes 31 of 41 for 8.3 yards per attempt and two tutties. So I like the over a little bit here. I mean, my oh. model doesn't get me all the way to the full game over, but I think both of these teams are going to come out and the Chargers tend to score more early in games. So first half over was it for me. I think that this game starts off somewhat quickly. And here's the other crazy thing. Then we'll move on to Sunday's action. The last point here. The Tennessee Titans last week are being commanded by Josh Dobbs in a playoff game. The Jaguars, playoff defense. We're going up against Josh Dobbs. we got time to get ready for this guy. He doesn't have a lot of experience. They go three and out. The Titans go three and out. They hand the ball off predictably to Derrick Henry on their first play. Gets no yards because the Jags are playing the run and the Titans are stupid. And then they end up punting the ball, three and out. Do you know how many other times that they punted the ball until the fourth quarter did the Tennessee Titans with Josh Dobbs at quarterback with like very predictable play calling? I Zero. can't think of, yeah, I couldn't Zero. think of any. <laughs> Zero punts from that first drive to all of the rest. So yeah, to, to, until the fourth quarter. So 100% absolutely feel like uh, we're going to get efficient performance here out of the Chargers offense, as well as out of this Jaguars offense that I think hopefully plays better and, and and we don't get any choking out of Trevor Lawrence. Well, I have some um, player props for that game, but let's see if the betting buddies come through because you, you put the, the the tweet out there. We're going to hit it a couple times, push it out there to the buddies. And if, if we're on the same side, uh, maybe, maybe we'll select. Let's talk about this Bills-Dolphins game. It kicks off Sunday. It's really an appetizer. Um, it's a shame that we're getting the Miami mash unit. Um, it's a shame, you know, there's big picture uh, considerations for Tua that over the course of this offseason, we'll see, you know, it's, it's he has some decisions to make about his, yeah. his career and his life. Um, but, you know, we've, we've got Skylar Thompson, uh, both of, of uh, Miami's uh, starting offensive tackles look like they're out. Mostert's hurt. Uh, the starting defensive end, the starting safety, Two of their their top three corners all out. There is some sort of speculation on the Bill side that D. Hamlin's going to make an appearance at this thing, you know, because he's out and he he could show up. And I mean, imagine the emotional uh, high that they're yep. going to hit there. Um, 
And this this matchup is just it's a, it's a shame for Miami. But you know what? If you're going to glass half full it, congratulations. Your goal is to make the playoffs. You have a brand new uh, head coach. The guy came in with weapons. They went out and acquired Tyreek Hill. It was a dynamic offense. It was cool to see. Good job by Miami to get get to the playoffs. It ends here. Their Bills are favored by 13 and a half, and the total's 43 and a half. Um, what I want to put to you is, in terms of a betting angle, any interest in the in the under in this game? Because I feel like there could be a script where the Bills jump up by three scores or four scores and then start resting guys because this isn't the game that, that's going to decide whether or not uh, you know that they're Super Bowl fortunes. Let's let's go ahead and get some starters, some rest. And Miami's just going going to be ineffective on offense all day long. I expect so something like a a thirty five to seven when the total's forty three and a half or you know variations of that. Let's go ahead and, and let's call it thirty one to ten. Whatever, some dominant performance by the Bills and an, and an under. Is is there any interest in that? So there is a little bit of interest, but not full game under and not first half under. What I would be looking at if you wanted to go that angle is the Dolphins team total under fourteen and a half points. That to Love me it. is a lot more appealing. Um, here's the thing about the Dolphins. My 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 one big nugget here, and normally. I do have to sit on some information like I'm not sitting here tweeting shitloads of analysis on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, I'm actually off of Twitter a little bit more during the week, during the season, because stuff that I tweet ends up moving the marketplace, even if I'm not tweeting out a bet like it influences people. There's more people on Twitter reading and scrolling and trolling through things and coming up with angles to bet props and stuff like there's definitely some market influence that gets out there. But I think this is going to be their last game of the season. Most people are going to forget by the time we get to next year. So I want to throw this nugget out there about the Dolphins. There is a reason if you were betting the Miami Dolphins and you're betting their totals and you're betting their unders that you're fucking cleaning up at home. They went over the total at home in just one of eight games this year. The lowest rate in the NFL. Meanwhile, when they go on the road, they're going over the total in seven of nine games. They're going over the total at the highest rate of the NFL on the road and the lowest rate in the NFL at home. And the reason is because at home, they are holding opponents to only 15 and a half points per game. But on the road, they are allowing those opponents to score over 30 points a game. We're talking about double the point scoring from home versus road in 2022. Their own offense is only scoring three more points per game on the road to help all these games go over. The only reason that they're scoring a little bit more in those situations is because they have to catch up to what the opponents are doing who are scoring over 30 points. Okay, that's a small sample. 2022, small sample. Let's go back the last three years. And over the last three years, they still are allowing over eight more points per game on the road than they are at home. And points per game is a big Big picture metric. Let's look at the more detail per play metrics. At home, over the last three years, this team ranks number one in EPA per play, number one in EPA per pass, number two in yards per play. You know what they rank in those three metrics on the road? Number 24, number 27, and number 28. They're a top three, top one defense at home on a per play basis and a bottom 10 to bottom five defense 
on the road. They just are substantially worse. Uh, like I haven't had the time to dig into why that might be other than heat and the sun and whatever else, like throw people off or you play worse when you're feeling cold or on your road, on the road. But it's been that way for three years now. And it's certainly that way this year. And I just think this team is limping in. They've got offensive line injuries. Study the injury report that comes out later today. They had multiple starters along the O-line, not practice at all the first two days of the week. They also are going to be down to Skylar Thompson. I just think it's a bad position for this Dolphins to be in. I'm very thankful that they made the playoffs. I'm very thankful that they're not going to fire Mike McDaniel. That was going to be some stupid ass narrative that we were going to hear for several days. I'm very thankful that they cashed over eight and a half at the last minute to help my futures bets. Uh, It also them being in and the Patriots being out. I had some bets, sorry, Simmons on the Patriots to miss the playoffs. So that helped. But I think the buck stops here. Uh, I think I think this comes crashing down. I think that the, the uh, Bills have every opportunity here to to name their final score. We'll talk next week about the Bills' offense. Can't get into it right now, but the Bills' offense is not humming. The Bills' off it, right. it's not going to be easy for them to just crank out thirty points on on the Dolphins like they've done in years past. This is yeah. it's just more of a struggle this year than it is in most. So don't expect some epic beatdown of like. 40, 50 points, unless you do have some angelic assistance like you had last week with two kickoff return touchdowns. Yeah, that's right. Well, you you just reminded me, speaking of, of next week, I do think one of the topics of, of conversation, depending on the outcome of that Chargers-Jacksonville game, is, is uh, Brandon Staley and whether or not he's on the hot seat. Football fans! Call your own plays during the NFL playoffs with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because when you bet NFL same-game parlays from now through January the 16th, all customers are getting up to $100 in free bets, win or lose. All you have to do is place a total of $20 or more on NFL same-game or same-game plus bets during the wild-card round. The more you bet, the more you're going to get back in free bets. The NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a larger payday. You know, Sharp and I on the show are going through some correlated same-game parlay. We we went deep on a a Niners-Seattle situation with Purdy under 214.5, San Francisco to win. And I think Sharp talked me into the under on the McCaffrey rushing prop, under seven, 74 and a half yards, because we think Eli Mitchell is going to catch a bunch of yards in the second half of that game. That same game parlay pays out at plus 295. Why not ride or die with that one? First game of the weekend, build up the bankroll, and then you can uh, take it from there. Build your own, of course, please. You don't have to listen to us. Or choose one of the popular same game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. FanDuel is also now live in Ohio. Shout-out to the Columbus people. So make sure you get in on the action with great offers just for you now and throughout January. If you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, you can also get up to $100 in free bets, win or lose, when signing up with promo code GAMBLERS. That's promo code G-A-M-B-L-E-R-S. Make every moment more of the FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Quick disclaimer, you have to be 21 or older in select states. The bonus is issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. 
in Ohio and free bets in all other eligible states that expire seven days after receipt. The max free bet is a hundred bucks. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you have a gambling problem, you call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, or Virginia. You call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. You call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT if you're in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. You can visit in Maryland, www.marylandgamblinghelp.org. That's www.mdgamblinghelp.org. New York, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. Wyoming, 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Two coaches that are not going to be on, on the hot seat. Two rookie coaches in a very, very rich afternoon, Sunday afternoon matchup. Uh, the New York Giants at the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are favored by three. This is by far the most popular underdog play of, of the week. Um, the money is the number of bets and, and the money, I think, is all lining up with um, the Giants from, from what I've seen. Uh, the total is 48 and a half, and I don't really know what to do with this one. Uh, this, to me, feels like, you know, two teams. It's the it's the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme. We have the, you know, the number one team in terms of one score games in the, in, in the Vikings uh, up against, I think they're the number two game. You know, the, the Giants, eight of their nine wins were one score games with a bunch of fourth quarter comebacks uh, early in the season. The only way that I think that I'm going to play this one, this is another one where I'm I'm confounded by it. Um, and and the week 16 uh, outcome between these two teams was, you know, it it showed how close they are. The only way that I'm inclined to play this is the is the Vikings money line, and it's just because of the fact that they're home and they have uh, historically a pronounced home field advantage. There's also a tiny bit of Danny Dimes in his first playoff appearance. And, you know, the, the trend line that shows that, you know, quarterbacks, uh, making their, their initial inaugural playoff appearance in situations going up against uh, a team with a quarterback that's played before in the playoffs that the, you know, it's like a, uh, nearly 75%, you know, um, uh, to the, to the wrong side of against the spread. The week 16 thing with the Giants that, that gives me pause, though, they're getting back Leonard Williams and Addery Jackson. Um, Hopefully, uh, Adore Jackson's back. Okay. Well, that, so we don't have back. that. All right. Um, but Danny Dines had his best passing performance of the season um, against this, this uh, Vikings uh, defense. So I understand why there's so much action on, on, on the Giants. I'm not going to make a big play um out of this one i know you have some thoughts about this giants offense and and what brian dable might have cooked up um how how you looking at it 
Well, I think this is a great opportunity for kind of the Giants to show how much they've grown over the course of the season. And and I think that they're one of the best coach teams out there. I'm interested to see how this defense matches up. One key injury that you didn't note is Garrett Bradbury, the center for the Minnesota Vikings, practiced in full for the first time in like a month and a half uh, yesterday. So if he's up, their starting center, he's been dealing with back spasms. You and I both know how like back problems are and they can come and go and they're very brutal when you're having some issues. If, if he's got the back spasms and they're cranking up, he's going to miss. And the Vikings lost a starting offensive lineman uh, against the Packers. So that is going to allow this Giants team to get a lot of pressure. But if he's back, it definitely helps alleviate that to some minor extent. But I think this Giants defense is going to be ready for this game. I think this Giants defense is is going to have some things uh, cooked up here to try to slow down uh, the Vikings offense in a way that, you know, maybe they didn't necessarily do in the first meeting. I like Wink Martindale in this spot potentially. Uh, But the bigger thing here is, the, the Giants showcased the way to beat the Vikings in the first game. It just didn't go the right way. But they passed the ball a lot on early downs. The, the Vikings' pass defense over the second half of the season is above average on third down. They're actually decent against the pass on third down. They are the worst, stone-worst team on early downs. They are also the stone-worst team against play action. They were also very good against the run. They're surprisingly number eight in EPA per attempt against running back runs uh, this season. And you saw it in the earlier meeting, Saquon Barkley on early down runs versus versus the Vikings, minus 0.09 EPA per attempt. That was his third worst game of the year. Uh, They also didn't have to stack the box on him, and his longest rush was just seven yards. So he was very unproductive on early downs running the football, but Daniel Jones was sick. He completed 82% of his passes and averaged 8.5 yards per attempt. It was his most efficient, high-volume day passing the football on early downs of his entire career based on yards per attempt and completion rate. He was extremely good on those downs. One ill-advised interception in the fourth quarter down in scoring territory on a first and 10, which which was bad, bad, bad. But on third downs, He was just three of nine passing the football, average minus 0.3 EPA per attempt. He completed only 33% of his passes, as I said. It's terrible on third down, which plays into where the Vikings are good defending you, which is third down. So the Giants just absolutely must come out here, pass the ball early, pass the ball often with Daniel Jones, get him into a rhythm, keep the crowd noise out of this game. It's going to be challenged. This is a good home field environment. It, this is a tough game for me to pick. I don't think the line is wrong in this game. Yeah. I think the Giants could win. I think the Vikings could win. Uh, but I don't necessarily think that the line is is wrong. So therefore, I don't know that there's any quote-unquote value in taking something here from a spread perspective because I think the line is close to being right. Totally agree, which is why it's the, the money line play for me uh, on the Vikings. Uh, one of the things that works against that, that pick also the Giants do have genuine rest advantage. They really did rest all their starters. Now, Minnesota yep. didn't play all of their starters all of that game, but there's a difference between playing at all versus resting. Um, but it, it, it's going to be great. I, I I can't wait. I mean, it's a, it's a the perfect stage that Sunday afternoon, the only game going, and it feeds us right into uh, a, a Sunday night um, dinner that has some very interesting intrigue associated with it 
a lot of which isn't necessarily occurring on the football field. Um, and I'm obviously disappointed that we're not getting Lamar Jackson in this game, but it is the AFC North. These two teams, you know, every one of the teams in the AFC North hates each other and they play that way. And what we saw last week, the Baltimore played tough. I mean, that 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 game was closer than the final score indicated. Um, and I honestly think that Harbaugh was keeping a little bit in, in reserve. Now, they it does seem like Tyler Huntley's going to play. Is that right? Is he going to be the starting quarterback? It looks that way. I don't think a uh, definitive message has been set, but we certainly know it's not Lamar. And and it, there's a chance. There's a small. I would put probably put it like seventy five percent Tyler Huntley. So my uh, inclination that the the problem for the Ravens they 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 can't score. They haven't been able to score since Lamar got hurt. They're averaging twelve and a half points a game, um, and and they've they've had four touchdowns, four total touchdowns in the five games since Lamar has been out. My inclination with this game is to, this is the other side of my seven point tease because the line is Cincy by nine and a half home against Baltimore. The total's 40 and a half. So a super low total with a high spread. Let me tease that down through the seven and the three. I'm pairing this one Cincy with San Francisco, Cincinnati, genuine Super Bowl ambition and aspiration. Everything that we've seen out of them over the last, you know, 10 games confirms and validates uh, the run that they went on last year. I'm not going against Joe Burrow at, at home with this Baltimore team in the kind of disarray that it is. But I also, I'm, there's no way I would lay nine and a half in a divisional matchup rivalry situation like this. Yeah, the interesting part here is I looked back at that game last week, rewatched it, you know, because I know the Bengals got up 17 to nothing and everybody said, oh, they packed it in. That was an easy game for the Bengals. And obviously I, I was heavily invested in the Bengals last week on teasers and money line parlays, et cetera. But you go back to that last game. Let's just read off these couple few statistics. The Bengals had 13 drives. Only four gained more than 12 yards. Like, are you kidding? Four yeah, drives gained more than 12 yards. Head exploding. That was the noise. On 10 drives that they started with the ball in their own territory, 10 drives. Do you know what they produced? Two field goals seven punts and one fumble at their own nine yard line that the Ravens turned into a field goal. Like Man. this offense, I know fine. They dialed it back. They got the lead. They, they scored their two touchdowns off of two turnovers from the Ravens third string quarterback. Uh, both were interceptions, ill-advised, got good field position, scored touchdowns. Maybe if they don't score those touchdowns, maybe they're more aggressive on some of these drives that they're starting in their own territory and they don't punt the ball on seven drives. I get it. I understand all of that. The point is, go back to the last meeting that they played earlier this season. They scored 17 points on the road in Baltimore. Their first meeting, they had both Lael Collins, the right tackle, and the right guard, Alex Kappa. Lael yeah. Collins missed last week's game because he was injured. In week 16, Alex Kappa got injured in that game week 18. This is their first game of the year that the Bengals are playing with the entire right side of their line out. They just lost these guys, both of them, one week 16 and one week 18. And it's not like they've been dealing with this and surviving this for, for weeks. Now you're going up against Roquan Smith, who didn't play in that first game. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just pouring a little bit of cold water on the fact that the Ravens are going to get utterly destroyed. They're going to get embarrassed. They're going to get blown out here because the Bengals were up big last week and can name their score. I think this Ravens defense is going to show up, is going to be proud, is going to play hard, and is going to potentially cause some problems for the Cincinnati Bengals. Do I think the Ravens win? 
it's unlikely. Is there a chance? A very slight chance. But I think the Baltimore Ravens are probably going to lose this game. I'm not betting the spread, but if this thing got up to like, I just, I just think general take on the market. We're seeing this again this this week. Perfect example. You get news that the guy's going to be out. Lamar's going to be out. And the line adjusts immediately. We don't know for sure that he's going to be out. It's just rumored. He's not practicing. He's still not practicing. Good chance he's probably going to be up. The line adjusts. Then you get news the next day. Uh, Lamar's still not practicing. It's not looking good. Line moves up some more. Next, like every single day, every single bit of news, this line keeps shifting. And I think it's overshifted now. Like we've already accounted for Lamar not being there. The, the, the initial number on this game already accounted for a very strong percent that Lamar wasn't there. If Lamar was going to be there, this line would have been, I don't know, four and a half, something like that. The the opener already accounted for some uncertainty that Lamar wasn't going to be there. And every single bit of news, we just keep shifting the number higher and higher. If this thing gets 10 or above 10, I mean, like I think they're, I don't want to, but I might be forced to play the Ravens here. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. Do you want to talk me out of using the other side of my seven point tease on, on the this leg to get Cincy down to two and a half? No, I don't. I did tease the Cincinnati Bengals down. I took it earlier in the week when it was at seven and I knew it was probably going to go higher and got it down using a six pointer down to one. So I'm rooting for the Bengals to win this game by a few points here, obviously. So you and I can ride on that together. But um, I I just think that this line is close to being about right where it is and and maybe on the verge of being too high. Okay, I I, I like it. Uh, Well, let's finish this thing off and then let's let's hear from the the betting buddies. We have, uh, again, another extraordinary matchup. Great job by uh, the schedulers putting Tampa and Dallas on an island for Monday night football to, to end up um, wild card weekend, super wild card weekend here. Uh, Tampa, the, the line's moving. It's, it's, it's now down to Tampa getting two and a half at home against Dallas. It was, it was at three. It never moved above three. It dropped a half point over the last couple of days. The total's 45 and a half and we have the Jekyll and Hyde Dallas Cowboys the schizophrenic you know uh identity uh of Dak Prescott and this this uh Dallas offense and and Dallas defense and really the 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 thing that's been a bummer for Dallas is their past defense has just been different since um Anthony Brown went out the 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 question is to me is can Tampa defend Brady the the um Tampa offensive line, I think, has the lowest sack rate rate in the NFL. Now, a big function of that is because Tom Brady doesn't hold on to the effing ball and let himself get get pummeled. Yep. Um, but you know, there there is not really going to be much in the way of play action out of Tampa unless Byron Leftwich does something radical. Uh, now that we're in the playoffs, he had 18 weeks to show it, um, but but didn't show us anything. Uh, Dallas is fifth in rushing DVOA. I mean, I have a question is, are we going to see playoff Lenny? I mean, maybe if he's catching balls out of the backfield, I guess. I don't have a great feel for this. There are some trends out there that show that a team like Tampa, um, you know, coming in in the position that they're in as a as a home dog um, and with a record that's sub 500 like this. Um, there's some value in, in Tampa. We do know, we've we've heard this throughout the week, Dallas on grass hasn't been good. They're one and four, both straight up and against the spread. Um, I don't have a conclusion about how I want to play this game. How are you handicapping it? 
is super tough uh, because I've got, this is going to be the pull your hair out game. Everybody's going to leave this game with less hair than they entered because of both of these <laughs> coaches. And both of these coaches are going to drive you mad no matter what you bet on the game. Um, my issue, I could rant for 10 minutes. I'm not going to on Dallas's and, and Tampa's play calling. Tampa specifically, they're passing 8.9 yards per attempt on first downs, which is fifth best in the NFL, but they're running only 3.9 yards per carry on those first downs, which is 25th in the NFL. Yet, since we 10, they're passing the ball on just 43% of their first half first downs. Why? What are we doing here? I think it's because they think that they don't want to run the ball on second and third down when they're in situations that they need to gain yards for first downs. They want Tom Brady to pass there. So if they're passing on first down also and on second and third down, when the hell are they even going to run the football? I get that under, I get that conflict in their brain, but the reality is you pass the ball on any down that's not short yardage and you run the ball on short yardage. Boom. Problem solved, but that's not what they're doing. And uh, it's causing their offense problems. And I think the key issue here, the one nugget is Brady's got to stay out of third downs because that pass rush is no joke for the Dallas Cowboys. The good news is Brady has the shortest time to throw. He's going to get rid of the football and thus negate a lot of that pass rush. But if he's in too many third down and long situations where he has to hold on to the ball a little bit longer because he needs the routes to develop, that's going to spell problems for this team. I don't know from a totals perspective where to go here. The one play I think is is tease the Bucks up through the three and the seven. It seems pretty obvious, but that's the one angle that I would look at. But I don't really have anything on the spread or the total here. All right, Sharpie. Well, let's let's jump in and see what the betting buddies have to say. Speaking of betting buddies, before we get there, reminder: it's Friday. The show is up early enough for you to be put on notice. We love to do these same game NBA parlays because of these gigantic NBA slates. Uh, East Coast Bias Boys putting out a same game parlay. It'll be up on the ringer over the course of the afternoon. We are focused in on the Clippers and the Nuggets. Check it out. Same game parlay on the NBA slate tonight. The ringer will have that uh, up soon enough. You can jump on that action. Sharpie, let's look at these tweets and find some action for us to jump on with the betting buddies. All right, betting buddies, remember, not only do you get a shout out and you can share it with your family, but you're going to get something. Somebody's going to be contacting you that's going to give you something. And I'm going to be sending you a shirt from sharpfootballmerch.com. So let's see how many we got this week, House. I'll roll through these here real quick. Eric Johnson likes Trevor Lawrence over 14 and a half rushing yards, minus 110. Well, you, you know, like he's, our, he's our homie. I mean, he, Eric Johnson, the captain 15. He's been feeding us this. I really feel like I have mind meld with him. He, he's won too many times. We can't we can't give keep awarding Eric Johnson every week, but I do love uh, Trevor Lawrence over 14 and a half rushing yards. This well, that, week. that's a reward in and of itself. Shouting him out here. He shows his wife. It looks like in his uh, avatar or his kid. He says how, you know, everybody loves him. So good job, Eric Johnson here. Keep firing next week. Uh, Andrew Arnold's got Miami team total under 15 and a half. Uh, we just talked about that one earlier, a way to play the under in this game. If you want, that might be the best look there. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that one. That one's uh, worth playing. It's not my A number one favorite, but it's worth recognizing the good work by by that gentleman. Be-boo-boop. Uh, Be-boo-boop. That's funny, to <laughs> hard to say, but uh, you've got Bill's highest scoring team on FanDuel at plus 390. So if you want a long shot, we've not been like calling out too many long shots, but you know, we, we know the Bills' offense isn't great, but here's the thing. If the other team's offense can't move the ball at all, 
then you're going to be able to score some points yourself just based on field position, time of possession, and all the other bottom line things. So um, that's an interesting look there. Uh, here's an interesting one because it plays into something that you talked about, House. A guy named Evan, I think he's won something before, ES Tim 7 Bills first half team total over 13 and a half, partly to the Bills money line. This pays out yeah. minus 135. So we like um, that. We like we, that. We, we, we like that's that. That's not one. a winner. We can't. That's another guy that deserves recognition because I think he, he's won before. Uh, but that we like that. We like that play. You like that one, but the issue is you're sort of already on that one in, in, in yeah, a way. But that's right. Um, Sam Wagman, he likes Austin Eckler over 36 and a half receiving yards. This I'll call the. Um, what did you do to our team, Brandon Staley prop? Because, you know, if Mike Williams doesn't play, somebody's got to catch passes, and I think they are going to go pass heavy. So Austin Eckler over 36 and a half. The Mike, the, uh, the uh, what did you do to our team, Brandon Staley prop? Yeah, put, a, um, put, a, put an asterisk next to that one. That's a leading contender right now. Okay, leading contender. We've got another one that you sort of like is, is Chargers Moneyline, which you already like uh, parlayed with Austin Eckler anytime touchdown. He didn't write Jonathan Goldberg. You need to write what this pays out so we know because that's going to intrigue House a little bit more if he knows right. what the props pay. So you got to do that. Um, Nathan liked the Bills, Dolphins under 43 and a half, which is what you were thinking. We sort of switched off of that. We've got one that I, I pulled this one because it was interesting. Something like you suggested earlier. It's the rushing yards over for the 49ers, but here he's selecting Elijah Mitchell over 35 and a half rushing yards. He also parlayed with an anytime touchdown prop. He didn't write what that paid, but here you get if he's playing more in the third, fourth quarter, uh, you could you could be betting sort of a de facto way to get some exposure to the 49ers money line or 49ers minus nine and a half is by taking Eli Mitchell's rushing yards over. Two more here. Travis Etienne, anytime touchdown and 70 plus yards. That pays out plus 148 on FanDuel from Quinn Callahan. And then you've got Steffi Smalls, follows me on Twitter, got, has, has very good content. Like you, Steffi. Daniel Jones, over 80 rushing yards. I asked her what it pays. She says you can get 75 plus for plus 400. So, uh, she likes Daniel Jones at an alt rushing yards over at plus 400. Um, so, so there you go. So what exotic. Do you like? So exotic. It's a, Very exotic. A, amazing. Um, well, there, I, I caught one that I definitely want to okay. play, and then, and, that, and that's a, a Micah Parsons uh, sack. He had two sacks in the first matchup beginning of the season. I do like um, the situation for him at his, at his speed uh, to get into that backfield, notwithstanding Tampa – low sack rate. Uh, Micah Parsons to get a sack at any point, plus 130. That's Drew. Drew X Stevens. Uh, So that's one of the plays. And the other one is is Mr. Callahan, Quinn Callahan. Can you you repeat that prop for the people? Oh, Travis Etienne, anytime touchdown and 70 plus yards. That pays out 148 on FanDuel. His name, oh my God. This is this is perfect that you're giving this guy this prize house because not because his name is Quinn Callahan, but his Twitter handle is at Hey Dumb Shirt, and you're winning a shirt from SharpFootballMerch.com. I'm not going to say the shirt's dumb. You can pick what you want. There's a lot of different choices up at the the shop, so hopefully you don't find it to be too dumb because you're going to be receiving one in the mail very soon, Mr. Callahan. 
That's a great job. I like that one because the anytime touchdown, it could be a receiving touchdown for Etienne if he, if he won't drop the ball. But I do like the rushing yard aspect of that one, especially. Great job by uh, at Dumb Shirt. <laughs> yeah, so there, there you go. So we've got two solid bets. Uh, we're going to be loading up on these. Hopefully you guys win, but you're definitely going to be, somebody's going to be contacting you from my side of things uh, to get in touch with your information, to get your shirt selection and size. Um, so that'll do it for the wild card edition. Thank you guys for listening. The Ringer Gambling Show will be back tomorrow when Raheem shares his top five best bets for wild card weekend. Thanks to Joe House, of course, for joining me and to Mike Wargon and Connor Nevins for producing the show. Good luck with your bets this weekend and we'll talk to you next week. 